0: Hi, my name is Michael Sano. I'm Jewish, and I love Israel. So if you love Israel, if you love being Jewish, or if you have an unwavering connection to the land of Israel, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the 12 Cities in Israel podcast. Shalom, shalom, shalom. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? My name is Michael Sano and welcome, welcome, welcome to the 12 cities in Israel podcast. The only positive podcast about the state of Israel. Um, It's people, it's culture, it's food, everything. Um, If this is your first time watching, please hit the like button and the notification bell. So you always get the brand new episodes when they come out. And if you want to take us with you, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on Spotify. Um, Just to let you guys know, before I get started with the episode, uh, we're doing a Kickstarter right now for the 12 Cities in Israel Modern Hebrew Aleph Bet flashcards. Um, It's actually a Kickstarter for the whole um, Modern Hebrew set. Uh, we're, we're, we're going to see how much we get. And then we're going to, uh, then we're going to fund from there. If we get enough to do the first set, the olive bet, we'll do just that one. And then we'll use the returns we get on that to make the following sets. The next one that's going to be made, um, I'm going to start on it. I've actually already started on it. Um, but it's going to be numbers in Hebrew. Also, 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 I've released the olive bet flashcard set as a Kindle uh, as a Kindle book. So you can find that on Amazon. You'll find the link for the Kickstarter. You'll find the link for the Amazon uh, Kindle book, both of them below in the description. So check it out. Um, all right, here we go. Uh, let us move on to the subject of this podcast, which is part two um, on the palmac. The Palmach are the uh, the mobile Jewish strike force, <clears throat> which eventually uh, uh, the mobile Jewish strike force of the of the Haganah, the pre-state defensive force of the yeshuv. Now, the yeshuv, I didn't really explain what that was um, in the last episode. So, the yeshuv is the sort of governmental organization. Um, that dealt with Jewish affairs in mandatory Palestine so uh, I'm, I am I have to state this again um, at the time of the British mandate Palestinian denoted anyone who lived within the borders of mandatory Palestine that would have covered Jews Arabs Christians everyone who lived there um, if it was your place of residence then you were a Palestinian now I took the information, I got into it a little bit in the beginning about whether, because one of the descriptions was that the, um, the Palmak was this super duper fighting for, they were effective, they were absolutely effective, um, but whether or not they were like SEAL Team 6 or something like that, now they weren't, they weren't like that, they were more like, honestly, they were more like the Marine Corps the United States Marine Corps in the sense that they took ground and they held it. And they, what's, what's the, the mantra of the United States Marine infantrymen is to find close with and destroy the enemy. And that's what the Palma did. They found the enemy. They closed with them, meaning they got up within fighting distance and then they destroyed them. Um, we're going to go over from 1946 onwards um, I have here in my notes I told you what it means Palmach means Plugot Machats, which is strike force or strike companies strike companies was what I found on the uh, on the Palmach Museum uh, website that was their definition their English definition for what Palmach stood for strike companies and I'm also gonna give you their definition they were um, the enlisted brigade of the Haganah, constituting the military defense force of the Jewish Yeshuv, which I told you about, and Zionist movement, until the establishment of the state of Israel, um, they were the army of the Jewish state in the making. So, the Palmach was the first enlisted military force prepared to encounter the enemy and defend the Jewish Yeshuv. So... I went over how they were, um, how they were established, how they were put together. Um, about the Haganah High Command dun, 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 decided to put them together uh, in, I think it was 1941 during World War II. Um, and I left off. Yes. So in the spring summer of 1941, six mobile strike companies, Palmach, were established within the framework of the Haganah as the national and regional combat reserve units, ready for immediate action. They were mobile. They could go anywhere. They could boom. They could respond. They were positioned in the Eastern Galilee and the Jezreel Valley, Western Galilee and Jezreel Valley, and Haifa region, in Samaria and the Sharon, in Tel Aviv, in the South, and in Jerusalem. Yitzhak Sade. Was appointed commander of the Palmach, so he would have been, um, he would have been tapped commander by um, Haganah and Ben Gurion, because it was it's it's funny when you think about it. It's uh, so one of the interesting things. So I did a bunch of interviews, and the 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 state's small. It's not a big place, so it's not hard to get to someone who knows someone who can put you into contact with someone, meaning someone important um someone in the government in the old days and i i love using the in the old days um in the old days that was even that was even easier all these guys knew each other like in some of the courses that i took at city college of new york that deal with pre-state um israel they all these guys knew each other um Golda Meir and, and, and Ben-Gurion and Dayan and Rabin and, and all these guys, they all knew each other. And it's so crazy to think that all of these individuals by themselves have a stature, but to think that all of these guys were working in concert, much like those during the revolution in, uh, in the United States so i think it's just it's fabulous it's really neat and it's really interesting and the palmak weaves its story through all of these individuals lives so i told you we ended on the night of the bridges i didn't use that phrase um in the research for this episode i re- i found that phrase as what they called it and it was operation Marcolette. um and it was june 16th to june 17th And the Palmach blew up 10, I told you this, 10 of the 11 bridges connecting mandatory Palestine to its neighboring countries. Um, Those were Lebanon, Syria, Transjordan, and Egypt. Now, during this, they suffered no casualties, with the exception of uh, the 12 Palmach deaths that occurred during the attack on Nachal, um, Aqziv Bridge going to Lebanon, which was north of Ako. Um, So that's actually, that's an incredibly, incredibly, as I said, they were effective. So this is a very successful campaign. Now, in response to this, the British got, whoa, way ticked off. Hold on, I'm going to tell you about how ticked off they got after I have a sip of this coffee. Peter Madeira, this is for you. Mm can't do a show without drinking coffee i swear i can't do much without drinking coffee that's my kryptonite um there you go uh (laughs) so they got the british got super duper po'd by this um trying to keep it pg um they got super duper mad and they launched operation agatha which became known as black sabbath and that was june 29th uh, the British military and police units began a three-day operation searching three cities and Jewish settlements throughout Palestine and imposing curfews. Now, they arrested 2,718 Jews and seized numerous arms and munitions, which were found unexpectedly. Yeah, unexpected. These guys knew. The British knew they were hor- that. That's the, the big thing. That I don't believe that the British, well, we just had no idea anything was going on. Um, they raided the Jewish building and numerous documents were confiscated. And during the operation, four Jews were killed and 80 were injured. Now, I tell you about the, uh, the releasing of Jewish prisoners by the Palmach, that the Palmach went and they did a raid. Those were. It was. I'm pretty sure it was in response. It was in response to this, um, Operation Agatha, Black Sabbath. Now, after a, I told you that, because of this, Lechi and Irgun, and it's starting to become the the relationship. Last last episode, I got really frustrated because I wasn't getting good information on how the relationship between the Ergun and Lehi um, was w- how, what it was comprised of, what the relationship actually was. Who Because I was reading a lot that Irgun was saying, oh, we don't have anything to do with the Stern gang, which is the, who Lehi were. They were the Stern gang. Um, and these guys were real proponents of active t- attacks against um against the british they also attacked the the arab population but their primary focus for the ergun and for lehi was attacking the british so um after the king david bombing which happened um, 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 um in 1946 the palmach stood down for 10 months they didn't do any more operations, which I find really interesting because there was a lot going on. Like, this is a period that outside of Israel is not really taught, and I'm actually not even sure how much this period is taught inside Israel. But after that 10 months, you had something called the Civil War in Mandatory Palestine, okay? And that was new information to me was absolutely 100% new information to me now I knew that there was an armed struggle by the Haganah and by the Palmach and by the Irgun and Lehi all of this was the Hebrew resistance movement that were working against the British but I didn't realize that it had collapsed in this civil war well it had and on May 20th um, as their kickoff Palmach blew up a coffee house in Faizia in retaliation for the murder of two Jews in nearby Petatikva. Tikva now in my research I couldn't find out who killed those Jews I couldn't find out if it was the British or if it was the Arabs but there was a significant slant in the information that I was getting and this is another kind of tease me off a little bit um, if alright so I'm Jewish most of you know that you could probably tell from the keep on my head and from the beginning of the thing where I say I'm Jewish um, Now, one of the tropes, (laughs) one of the anti-Semitic tropes is that we control the media. Well, if we control the media, then how come we can't get the right story out? And how come all the stories paint us as the bad guy? Because in my research, um, I found that there were a number of retaliations by the Panmach, but they omitted why those retaliations occurred so on november 29 1947 the u.n general assembly um, adopted resolution 181 and that was the u.n partition plan and that was the roadmap for the mandate to end and for the territories to be turned over for a jewish state and an arab state and the jews rejoiced and the Arabs said no That's it. They just said, no, actually they said it four times, but they said no. Um, Now, what the Arabs did do is not just say no, but they also rioted. And there were the Jerusalem riots of 1947 and the British, how do I put this? They didn't stop the riots they redirected the riots. So as the riots were coming towards the British, they said, no, you can't come this way. They didn't disperse the riots. They just said, you can't come this way. They had already taken a massive hands-off approach to mandatory Palestine in 1947, the British did. So what did they do? What did the Arab rioters do? They went and they burned buildings, they killed Jews and this, of course, wasn't going to stand at all. Um, and in retaliation to a number of things, to a number of events like this, and a number of killings, uh, the Palmach and the Yeshuv, the, the general government, had come to a point where, well, they're leaving, the British aren't going to do anything to stop the Arabs. So we have to do something to protect ourselves. So, and this is where it gets really hazy. And a bunch, and, and the Irgun and Lehi decided this was Balagan, we're not going to stand for this. And one of the things that ensued was Irgun in Haifa threw a bomb into a crowd. And that sparked the, uh, the Haifa oil refinery riot in which, in retaliation for that bomb thrown by the Irgun, troublemakers, absolutely. Murderers, absolutely. Um, because a, a, attacking a, a, a military installation, a genuine target, absolutely. Going in a throwing a bomb into a crowd, you're a terrorist. But, like he said, we're terrorists. Stern gang. They said we're terrorists. The problem is it seems like every time the Irgun and the Stern Gang did something, Palmach took the brunt of it. Palmach, this mobile strike force, had to clean up their mess. And I think 50, it was either 50 or 80 Jews were killed in the uh um in the Haifa oil massacre, oil refinery massacre. I'm going to say 50. It could be more if I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I apologize. Um, but there were numerous, um, raisings of village villages by the Palmach. Now, I didn't find in the research that the Palmach, it's almost as if whoever wrote the article only cared that the Palmach raised the villages. Didn't care that there was a thing called the ALA, which was the Arab Liberation Army, which was also doing retaliatory attacks. This was a civil war between the Arab population and the Jewish population, the Yishuv, in um, pre-state Israel. They talk about all of the things that the Palmach did, but they talk about nothing, almost nothing, that, the Arab fighters and militants did. And it's really problematic because it doesn't give you the whole story. It makes it, 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 makes it look like the Palmach are death squads. And they're not. They're absolutely not. They're fighters. Um, they're soldiers. They're people who enlisted to defend the Yeshuv. And it disgusts me that there is an inconsistency in reporting the facts on this. It really bothers me. So I apologize. I needed to address that because it makes me very angry. Um, now, during this, Al Husseini was uh, this guy who had, I think it was the Army of Holy Warriors. And he was in Egypt. He was a Palestinian fighter who became a Palestinian general. And he brought his, I think, a couple thousand, or at. at At first it was a thousand and then he got more troops and he brought them out of Egypt into mandatory Palestine. And they sieged Jerusalem, cutting it off. And the Jews of Jerusalem had no stores, no food, no anything. So um, the Haganah, in conjunction with the Palmach, fought to open that up. Open that lineup, and get them the supplies that they need. Eventually, they were very successful, um, but during on um, on January sixteenth, nineteen forty-eight, um, the Palmach lost eighteen men along with seventeen Haganah fighters on their way to reinforce the garrison at Kfar Etzion. I'm sorry, that's where they were going after they were attacked by hundreds of Arab uh locals and militias and the bodies of the palmach and Haganah fighters were mutilated to the point that some of them could not be recognized so this is this was and this i'm sorry this is what fired people up this is what fired the yeshuvah this is what angered people i understand bad things were done on both sides absolutely there's der yassin and apparently it's alluded that palmak was involved in that i don't know what the veracity of it is i know that from what i read palmak fired mortars into der yassin but who's to say what intel they got were they told that der yassin because some of the stuff that i read der yassin was a staging area for um arab fighters during um what was it during, was that during the War of Independence? At least during that time between the Civil War and the War of Independence. And can you fault them if they got bad intel? No, you can't. And it's it's horrible, but it's military operations, it's a war, and it just, to bring the stain of that onto the palmach it feels like some of the research that's been done into this is real half fast so i apologize and i again i'm going on to this rant about that stuff and that's not information um that's it's information that that about the Palmac that isn't necessarily about the Palmac. it's a uh, it, it's information that if it's information that's intended to taint the story okay and uh it just frustrates me it frustrates me a lot so all of that happened they were successful in freeing that so then in advance of the british leaving so all of this is happening all of this is going on this this civil war is going on as the british are packing up leave mandatory palestine and turn it over to whoever's gonna have it so let me take a sip of coffee hold on one sec so all of this is happening at a time that is so up in the air it's not even funny the yeshuv is preparing to lay the groundwork for its new state in the territories that were allocated on resolution 181 the arabs are fighting them in response to Resolution 181. Um, And they're fighting them in a place that they're going to live. So they needed to make the area safe. They needed to make it so that the Jewish state could exist and exist, exist safely. So one of the things that they did was they started to implement, um, something that was called plan dalit plan d and it was part of a multi-stage plan that had developed and changed over time aleph pet kimmel dalit um that's the hebrew aleph pet i'm hiccuping sorry um so there's a lot of controversy over plan dalit as to whether or not it was meant to ethnically cleanse um the north and the galilee um From the stuff that I've read, that wasn't the case. It was specifically used to go in, clear out towns that were harboring uh, enemies or acting as staging points for enemy forces and to just clear them out and to make it safe. You're living in a war zone, okay? You're supporting an enemy that's attacking who is going to be the rightful occupant of an area? You can't complain when they tell you to leave, you know what I mean? I I, I know that sounds heartless, I know that sounds mean, but you don't get to be <laughs> you you don't the loser doesn't dictate the terms. That's all there is to it. And I'm sorry if that sounds heartless. It isn't my view on the larger Um, dynamic of the Arab-Israeli war, but it is my view on the instance of Arab towns being raised, Arab towns being uh, removed of occupants. And I'm sorry, you're... So you have individuals who sit here and say, I've lived here for 500 years. Okay, I understand that. But you're fighting me and this is our country. I understand that but I've lived here for 500 years your willingness to endanger my safety does not is not trumped by the fact that you've lived here a long time I'm sorry you've got to go if you're if it's it's traitorous behavior you know what I mean I I just that's the way I feel it's gonna be controversial I'm sorry that's how I feel Anyways, (laughs) so um, during this, there was a thing called Operation Yiftak, and that's where they went in and over uh, a month long battle to capture and liberate Svat and uh, the Northern Galilee, uh, the Eastern Galilee. Um, They fought, they fought hard. They lost tons of people. It was a raging battle street by street. And the Palmak fought hard, and they earned every inch of ground that they took. And that's why um, they're remembered with this hallowed reverence, because they did things like Operation Yiftak. Now, with the activation of Plan D and its sub-operations, Palmak units were used to demolish villages with the objective of preventing them being used by Palestinian irregulars or the ALA as bases. So you had the Arab Liberation Army. So you had these Arab towns which were willfully harboring and supporting uh, the enemies of the Haganah, the enemies of the Palmach, the enemies of the Yeshuv in their allocated land as directed by resolution, UN resolution 181. So they're within their rights. They're totally within their rights. And they fought for that ground and they get to keep it. Bottom line. Now, all of this happens. Um, The establishment of the state happens. The IDF is established, the Israel Defense Forces. Now there was one final act that the Palmach was involved in, and that was June 22, 1948. And that was the Altalina Affair, and that was Palmak's, um as an independent unit, their last operation, uh, again, it was against the Irgun, who had moored the ship, the Altalina off the coast of Tel Aviv and it was loaded with weapons. Now Ben Gurion did not want the Irgun to have these weapons. He wanted them disbanded, he wanted them absorbed into the Haganah, those that could be absorbed and the rest of them, boom, you guys are bad seeds, we don't want you in it. And there was a, so Ben Gurion ordered the Palmak, which was at the, the unit was commanded by Yigal Alon and his deputy, Yitzhak Rabin, um, and he wanted them to prevent the arms from coming ashore. In the ensuing battle, 14 members of the Irgun were killed and one Palmach casualty, one death on the Palmach side. Um, and this was the final thing that they were involved with. Now, with the establishment of the Israeli army, the Palmach was reorganized into uh, three separate IDF brigades. There were the Negev Brigade, which is in the south under the southern command, the Yiftak Brigade and the Harel Brigade. The Negev and Yiftak Brigades um, fought in the Negev against the Egyptian army and managed to stop and later repulse them into the Gaza Strip and Sinai and the Yiftach Brigade was later transferred to the north. Now the Harel Brigade was centered on Jerusalem and the merging of the Palmach into the Israeli army involved a series of you know, issues and power struggles uh, with Ben-Gurion and this eventually wound up becoming so contentious and became known as the General's Revolt and in ni- this caused uh, several generals to resign in 1948, which uh, politics, literally just politics. We want the country this way. You want the country this way. No, no, no. So that's basically what happened. Um, in total, the Palmach lost uh, 1,187 fighters, heroes, patriots um during the war of independence and in the years prior to Israel's creation and that my friends is the story of the palmach and you so the, remember how i was saying in the beginning how all of these people were together and it just weaves with all the great heroes of pre-state and early state israel um as you noticed from me telling the story, it weaves in with different organizations too. I told you about the yeshuv. We've learned about the yeshuv. We've learned about, um, the Irgun, which is going to be another episode, the Palmach. we learned about them and how great and dynamic they are. Um, and they're just awesome. And that is why in Tel Aviv, there is a, a museum, the Palmach Museum. And it talks about all of these interesting stories and the individual stories and about how common Jews came out and defended what would eventually become their home, the Jewish state. Um, Wow. Cool. I love this story. Um, And I love you guys. And that's it. Um, All right. So uh, that's it for this episode. Thank you for watching, and if you like this episode, please hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, and the notification bell. Um, If you wanna catch us and take us with you, uh, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and on Spotify. Um, Also check out all of our social media. We're on Facebook, YouTube, um, which you're probably watching us on YouTube if if you're not. then you can catch us on YouTube. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, Also, in the beginning, I told you about all of the stuff we're doing with the 12 Cities in Israel Modern Hebrew flashcards. Check them out. A lot of work, a lot of time went into doing them. They are a labor of love, and uh, you can get them on Amazon. If If you wanna get the print copy, though, the box sets, Donate or, or invest in our Kickstarter. Um, and as I said, the Kickstarter and the Amazon links are both down in the description. Um, all right, that's it. Thanks a lot. I ila, you, kol ha. חלום שלא נגמר רק זאת שאלתי כשלבי נתתי רושדתי לפרח אני שר רק זאת שאלתי כשלבי נתתי רושדתי לפרח